0: And here's one of the things about the mystery of D.B. Cooper that is so consistent. The mystery is fast. I mean, it's hard not to just be like, wait, what happened? Yeah. And you find that really quickly, you either want to be him, find him, (laughs) or (laughs) or fuck fuck him. him. (laughs) Exactly. History. I'd like to follow me. Hey, welcome. When my guest TV and voice actress Miley Flanagan assigned me the hilf D.B. Cooper, I went in knowing only the headline that he was a mysterious skyjacker who parachuted away with a cash ransom. By the time we recorded this episode, however, I had joined many before me in following this story down a rabbit hole of intrigue, mystery, and suspense. Join us as we go through what happened that fateful night in 1971 and some of the most tantalizing suspects in this, the only unsolved skyjacking in American history. I'm glad to have you along for this episode of Hilf, history I'd like to fuck with Don Brody. I'm Don Brody. Let's get started. (laughs) That's not bad. <laughs> I mean, that's, it's not exactly what they did in my high school. No. Uh, I understand. It's some for moms. I <laughs> mean, this is for your mom, it's right? for my Broadcast? mom. My mom. My mom has, she still shudders every time I use the F word, but I can tell it delights her. I know that deep down she's just like, oh, you're so naughty. It's so not my problem anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah, this You're off in the world. Get out. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I am delighted to introduce uh, this episode's special guest, uh, the illustrious Miley Flanagan. Hi, Miley. Hello. How? How are you? I am really good, thanks. I, I have coffee. My daughter's out of the house. It's The dog's
1: locked up. <laughs> the dog's locked up. We Everything's can, put away, people. The knives are locked up. Can you
0: stay? <laughs> Miley, don't leave. Don't leave. Um, now, I, uh, I did a little history on you. Oh, God. Miley Flanagan, uh, born 1965 in Honolulu, Hawaii, and graduated from high school Mm-hmm. from the Department of Defense High School in Munich, Germany.
1: Yeah, exactly. I went to a bunch of schools. We moved around a lot. Um, so born in Hawaii, moved to Florida, back to Hawaii. That's when I was before three even. Then moved to Bangkok, and I went to elementary school there. Then we um, left Bangkok and went to Nuremberg, and then left Nuremberg and went to Munich, where I graduated high school. And then my parents stayed there while I flew to Boston for college. I went from uh, college to sleeping in my sister's chair in uh dc uh, a fold-out chair and uh <laughs> so it was a
0: nice chair Yeah, a nice chair. don't get the wrong idea it's yeah, a really yeah. nice chair
1: and then i moved to minneapolis and i lived there for a long time and then i moved here like 20 uh, los angeles 20
0: yeah 1996 20, yeah. according to you yeah. and, and when you moved here you had a lot of luck right away and one of your first things was a a show called The Bad Seed that you did with some mutual friends. Yeah. And you got a big, uh, you won an award in LA Weekly. Yeah, we kind of got it. We didn't believe, we couldn't believe we won. And we were so
1: fresh. It was like, oh my God, we're against the Actors Gang. Yeah. You know, which is with Susan Sarandon and, and, (sighs) you know, What's his Hacks. husband? Hacks. Yeah, yeah. hats.
0: Yeah. You went on. I mean, a lot of people may recognize you as the voice of Naruto. That's yep. a huge Sorry Started that in 2005. You've been the voice of Naruto for 15 years. Yep. yep. Terry Perry on Lab Rats. Yep, for five years. So your voice is yeah. probably the most familiar thing, I suspect. Do you find yeah. that when you're out in the world and you speak, that people do a double take because of your voice?
1: You know, it's so weird. I, I used to say no, and then oddly during the pandemic, of all things... I think maybe because people are at home and they watch a lot of YouTube stuff and they watch um, the cons that I go to, maybe Q&As, because mm-hmm. I'm recognized for Naruto a lot more than um, than I used to be. I went to this random gas station in Van Nuys, right? Like, I didn't even know it was there, but I literally had no gas. So I was like, let me go in here. I had on sunglasses and a mask, and I was paying cash, and the kid, he's like this... Um, Young Latinx kid, and I made a little crack to him. And he goes, Are you the voice of Naruto? I'm like, Yeah, how could you possibly tell that?
0: Like, yeah. And he's
1: like, I don't know. I'm a big and fan. So I went back to my car and I found a headshot. And, um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I keep a few in there usually.
0: I think that's so cool. Well, and it's also. I mean, you've been doing it for 15 years, and it's not only a show, it's the video games. It's yeah, all of the movies. stuff, and you go to cons, movies. I mean, you, Mad TV, Desperate Housewives, ER, Grey's Anatomy, The Office, Shameless Modern Family. Yeah, I mean, Shameless, I had a big part on, yeah. Huge. Mm-hmm. And you uh, live with your wife, Lisa. Here That's right. Here in Los Angeles. Yeah. Well, Miley Flanagan, how honored Thank I am you. to have you. And you, ooh, girl your assignment for me <laughs> oh my gosh i was so excited i was so so excited so miley assigned me db cooper yeah oh and when she first assigned it it was so great because you you said uh it's a uh, cooper what's the name that guy that hijacker you were kind of searching for the word yeah. and that is like have you done you didn't do any research since then right oh, you no, didn't I do, purposely did not oh yeah. i'm so excited <laughs> this particular history is just already so fuckable <laughs> I mean, it's just such. A it's an entree. Sorry. It's an entree. I mean, it comes into the room wearing nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's, a no trench coat in it. There's no trench coat on this one. It's just straight nips. So, uh, so DB Cooper. Here, here's sort of the the quick and fast of what happened. What What are we referring to when we even say the name DB Cooper? Yeah. DB Cooper is the alias uh, used uh, by a man who hijacked a plane the day before Thanksgiving, November twenty fourth. 1971. Um, he actually signed his name Dan Cooper. Dan Cooper was the alias he used when he signed. And he bought the plane ticket for twenty dollars cash. What? Twenty bucks cash. It's 1971. Wow. It was a 37 minute flight from uh, Portland to Seattle. Oh, really? On a 727. Uh, and it's the day before Thanksgiving. The flight is a third full. Mm-hmm. There are three flight attendants, two in coach, one in first class. This gentleman is the last to buy his ticket. He sits in the last row by himself. He's wearing a black suit, a uh, white crisp shirt, black tie, neatly combed hair. Mm-hmm. He's carrying just a briefcase um shortly after takeoff he hands a note to florence schaffner the flight attendant who's doing the last check through at this point flight attendants are hit on constantly it is it is intentional it's it it, we'll get into that a little bit later too but florence god lover drops the note in her purse and is like you're welcome like walks (laughs) away doesn't even open it up (laughs) goes to sit down next (laughs) it is she sits down next to the other flight attendant tina mucklow Mm -hmm. the man in the back row signals to her she comes and he says you better read that note oh so she does. And the note says, Miss, I have a bomb. You are being hijacked. Come and sit next to me. Oh, my I God. No. So she shows the note to Tina and goes and sits next to this gentleman who uh, she quietly asks, God, Florence, we'll get to Fl- Florence. is always is a great story. She asks to see the bomb. <laughs> what i know so he opens the briefcase and she sees canisters strings dynamite and he's got a little trigger under his thumb and mm. he says i'm i'm not going to be taken alive <gasps> okay but he's otherwise extraordinarily polite mm. very calm he even offers to pay for his drinks he orders a bourbon and soda <laughs> <What>? <laughs> i know he even tries to give her a tip i know so florence tells the cockpit right. here are his demands he wants two hundred thousand dollars ransom he wants four parachutes, two front parachutes, two back parachutes, and he wants the plane refueled when they land in Seattle. The cockpit communicates this to the airlines and the FBI, who immediately, are like, yes, we'll You're do right. it. Okay? So they tell him it's going to take us a minute. The pilot tells the rest of the uh, passengers, we have a small technical malfunction. Uh-huh. Uh, everybody sit tight, we're going to circle for a minute. Ends up being about two and a half hours, which is a long time when your flight's only 30 minutes, but yeah. not that long to get a bunch of ransom shit together. Right. So yeah, it <laughs> seems, seems fairly reasonable. <laughs> uh, so they get it together, they tell them, we got it. They land in Seattle, far away from the rest of the airport. Uh, the rest of the passengers are allowed to disembark.
1: Do they, they have any idea anything's happening?
0: At this point, no. And None they of the must passengers.
1: Because they're weird, the out no, nowhere.
0: As a matter of fact, some of the passengers say <laughs> they literally see. The money handoff. And they're so far away and all these emergency lights. And that's the point when they're like, hang on a second.
1: (laughs) That's what I was thinking. Wouldn't they be surrounded by cop cars?
0: Well, not really because they don't want to make him nervous. And Uh. for one of the things D.B. Cooper did is he closed all the windows to the cabin so a sniper couldn't get him. Uh. They're also a little nervous because... There have been a lot of hijackings in 1971. Mm-hmm. They were almost all Cuban nationals mm-hmm. hijacking flights to get back to Cuba after the embargo. One of the pilots uh, on this flight, William Scott, I don't think he was ever hijacked to go to Cuba, but he was like, they didn't seem that bad, actually. <laughs> like, they, You know, the hijackers <laughs> wanted to go to Cuba. So Very nice guys. Fuck and it. You take them to Cuba, you get a cigar. Yeah. friendly,
1: they gave us a yeah. rum and coke.
0: You get home and everyone goes, ooh, you were hijacked, and you're kind of a, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, a <laughs> vacation. But of course, that's an oversimplification. They were often dangerous, and just about a week before this one, um, the FBI had played hardball. Said basically, no, we're not going to give you what you want. And the guy shot the pilot, shot his wife, shot himself. So they they oh, are they're, they're yeah. in a they're alert. they're ready to to play ball with this guy. Florence stays off the plane. Tina Mucklow, the other flight attendant, takes the money back and she goes back. DB Cooper asked her to. She has spoken with him now a little bit. Yeah. And two of the pilots come back. So now on the plane, reboarded after the refueling is Cooper, who never left the plane, of course, Tina, who brought him the money, and these two pilots, four of them, four of them, four parachutes. Mm. So once they get in the air, Cooper says, I want to go to Mexico. I want you to fly at 10,000 feet. I want you to put the incline of the wings up to 15 degrees. I want you to fly, basically fly real low and real slow. Whoa. The pilots are like, Okay. It's a 727. Fly, it's a 727. They're like, you fly that low and that slow. Yeah. We have to refuel. We can't get all the way to Mexico. So they decide to refuel in Reno. D.B. Cooper says, great, fine. We'll refuel in Reno. Okay. They're starting to think, we got four parachutes, four ba- we're all going to jump. Yeah. The point is, he's going to f- crash this thing into something, and we're all going to jump. Yeah, yeah. Shortly after that, uh, Tina sees him tie, cut some of the cords off of one of the parachutes, and tie the bag of money to his body. And he says, I want you to lower the aft stairs. Now, this is a very unique uh, configuration of the 727. Mm -hmm. They they have a staircase that lowers under the tail in the rear of the plane, not just where you and I are used to getting on the planes next to the wing. It made it really useful for several things. One, you could get passengers on and off a plane without needing the staircase, the gangway. Uh, You could land in a lot more places and get people on and off. And the CIA... Had used the 727 for Air America and various other espionage uh, activities in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So Which you could jump out. My the back.
1: father, by the way, was heavily involved. in it, But
0: I want to know <laughs> everything about that. Um, in fact, th- but your father—maybe your father was DB Cooper? Wouldn't that be <laughs> fucking <and> nuts? Okay, <laughs> so so that he says to Tina, "I want you to help me lower these aft stairs," mm. and she says, Look, "God lover. And they're st- they're can't. in the air. They're in the air now, flying. Right. Yeah. Um, and the deal with being at 10,000 feet is it didn't have to pressurize okay. right? the cabin. And she says, no. She's like, I'll get sucked out. Yeah. I can't do it. That's and I mean. Totally. Right? And, and he goes, okay, go. He goes, then go into the cockpit and lock the door and don't come back out. The last thing she sees is him tying the money to himself. Uh, the, the stairs, uh, he lowers the stairs. Now, the cockpit, this is the timing now. So they take off uh, from Seattle at 740. At 8 o'clock, the cockpit gets an alert that the staircase has been lowered and they can hear it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not an ambiguous, <laughs> an ambiguous What's thing when someone sound? opens a door on an airplane. Right. <laughs> um, and at eight thirteen, the crew notes that there's a bump. Oh, they stay, they land with the staircase down yeah. sparks and kind of crazy. Yeah. At 10 two hours later in Reno and he gone.
1: Now Whoa. he is,
0: here's what they have. Here's, here's, here's what they have on the plane. The only evidence left behind. He apparently took off his tie and his tie clip through it. So there's the tie and the tie clip. Okay. He had two brandy sodas <laughs> and he smoked a ton of cigarettes. He smoked a bunch of Raleigh cigarettes and he left the, so- the and he left those cigarette butts and he, and the glass. Um, they, <laughs> the FBI lost the cigarette butts <gasps> and none of the fingerprints, met. they have how many, 66 unidentified fingerprints, but they don't know who they are. Yeah. It could be people, cl- they don't, so whoever this person is, it's unidentified. Yeah. 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 Um, the note he took back to date mm-hmm. uh, no body, no parachute, I, no bomb. Ah, not for nine years. Now, this oh. is where we get into the, the, the only other piece of evidence that was found. So, this took place a uh, day before Thanksgiving, 1971, um, in February of 1980. On the Columbia River, not really near the area they searched, which is called Vector Twenty Three, an eight-year-old kid named Brian Ingram mm-hmm. is camping with his family, and his dad says, "Go clear some sand, make <laughs> a fire." So you know how you put your like forearm down and like drag it back and forth to like make a nice flat kind of platform. While he's doing that, his forearm touches something, and he unearths three bundles, cash, of cash. And it is confirmed by the FBI to be the ransom, the D.B. Cooper ransom, because they made a note of all of the serial numbers. And I didn't know, apparently, a lot of banks and other institutions have ransom money set aside. Oh, (laughs) good (laughs) to know. I know. Criminals, if you're out there. (laughs) They really got it. Really, (laughs) they won't waste your time. (laughs) That's on them. Um, And so they knew exactly. They could confirm really quickly. um, So that is all. Now, that alone... (laughs) The mystery of D.B. Cooper with just that. What I've told you. The story of the guy who hijacks the plane and disappears. Immediate legend. This guy is John Dillinger. Yeah. Right. Robin Hood. Yeah. All rolled into one. He's nice. He as doesn't cool hurt as anybody. Cool as a cucumber. He's totally cool. I mean, you watch like, it's like the a news- James
1: Bond kind of guy. Oh yeah.
0: yeah. And when I say that this is history, I'd like to fuck. When I fuck the history for my guests, I fuck the history. <laughs> I read a book. I can see the notes. You can see my notes. I read. Uh, I read a book. This book, by the way, uh, I highly recommend. It's called Skyjack: The Hunt for DB Cooper by Jeffrey Gray. Um, it is a particularly good. It's a wow. bestseller. It's got. There's a lot of great books out there. This is a, a very nice definitive one. I watched three documentaries. YouTube's. And here's one of the things about the mystery of D.B. Cooper that is so consistent. The mystery is fast. I mean, it's hard not to just be like, wait, what happened? Yeah. And you find that really quickly, you either want to be him, find him, (laughs) or (laughs) fuck fuck him. him. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's, and from the I mean, the gecko, people described him on the news well, he's that such night. A folk hero, folk hero. He, they called him the patron saint of system fucking. And let's just <laughs> also appreciate it's 1971, dude. We're tits deep in Vietnam. Yeah. And we're losing and we know we're losing. The domestic problems in America are are do rival what yep. we're experiencing now almost exactly 50 years later. You've got riots and civil unrest, huge unemployment and layoffs. The airlines Wealth are laying gaps. people off. Wealth gaps are awful. Racial inequality. Racial stuff, yeah. um, and you have a desire by a large number of people to just stick it to the man. Yeah. And taking $200,000 from these goddamn airlines... <laughs> Uh, just didn't upset anybody, you know. (laughs) Yeah, and the
1: big corporation, wherever they
0: get, or the big corporations, exactly right. So Northwest Orient Airlines, uh, the airline at the time, you know, they ponied up. They had insurance, and it was kind of like whatever. So I mean, they called him a master criminal. Even the FBI. I mean, agents of the FBI to this day say, yeah, yeah, no, no, we got to catch him. Got to yeah. catch him. But uh, you can't fault a guy for a job well done. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's a really amazing. Uh, so, yeah. you know, a he lot planned, of it, right? He, well, now that and that's what's so, so fascinating. Now, before before I go on with kind of the next part of, of the history and how this thing unfolded, I know that you were uh, out of the country.
1: And yeah. young. You would I have been about six.
0: Did you have any information or understanding of this event as it took place at the time?
1: No, I didn't at all. Um, I was pretty young, but but, uh, yeah, I also probably wouldn't because, you know, news wasn't big. Uh, <laughs> like there. <Sure. laughs> We'd have to like, you know, you'd have to hear it on the radio.
0: When did you first uh, become aware of D.B. Cooper? I yeah, know that, that you were from Minnesota. Northwest Airlines hmm. is located in Minnesota. There's some lore about that. How did you hear about it?
1: I, was there a song about it or something might mm-hmm. have been the first was that mm-hmm. okay and i think it was like what 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 is that what song and then i and then i was like who's I, you know in passing who's tb cooper like, yeah that guy that jumped out of, i'm like oh that sounds familiar like you know and then i probably maybe read an article or also probably when the money was found but you see it all if i bet if i had lexus nexus and i did a search on it like i'm sure it would pop up yeah like at least a few times a year and something.
0: It's so current. In fact, as I was doing research for this, talk about the most current. There's apparently an episode or an element of Loki. The series yeah. on Disney Plus that follows the character Loki where they imply that he's D.B. Cooper. Oh. That, that is- he was the one who dis- like stole the money and disappeared. Yeah. And this is what's so great is the mystery of D.B. Cooper for in general and for very specific people, it, you, it's like everyone has a D.B. Cooper shaped hole in their life yeah. and the, the mystery is both compelling enough and ambiguous enough to fit just about whatever you want so people who are conspiracy theorists aliens time travel yeah. have a st- have a way that why is db or Cooper military people military conspiracy there's even people who you know and you, you sometimes we especially in 2021 god knows <laughs> uh, the conspiracy theories are rampant but there's people who are like oh it's completely turned around it's the fbi did this yes. to because they wanted to implement stronger. Security, security for for airports and the, the airlines and the people had been so reluctant to it that they needed a big public event like this to get people behind yeah. change. And I was like, I would think that the guy shooting the pilot and his wife probably would have yeah, done that, that too. Yeah, I that was and the big one. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure, I'm that, sure that one <laughs> pulling one over on you guys <laughs> was the was your big plan. But, yeah. um, and not hurting anybody, like you know, not hurting anybody. And like I said, these these young flight attendants who were used to, frankly, m- far more abuse from friendly oh, from friendly, sure, from yeah. friendly flyers friendly um, like really and he friendly. really and he really did try to tip them they both said it twice he kept trying to give them the change from his drink and just give them money and they were like thank here's you two dollars no. you're gonna be high you're high <laughs> thank tax, you no thank you no we in appreciate case it. we make it <laughs> i mean but that's nice. A cup that's nice he also for the layover, i he he demanded you know the money the parachutes the refueling and uh meals for the crew <laughs> Meals for the crew. I what mean, he's a nice him? guy. Like a gun and a lasagna? <laughs> I <don't> I mean. <laughs> <laughs> a bear claw and a cigarette? Like, what did you eat in 1971? <laughs> garbage. <laughs> I don't know. Spam sandwich Spam some sa- milk. Oh, thank you, Mr. Cooper. How about 100 grand? <laughs> um, anyway, but yeah, so totally nice guy, and in the, in the, in the news and then, is interviewing these girls, and they're like, oh, he just couldn't have been nicer. You know, I mean, it doesn't. They're, they're, they, like, they're, they're a little, like, you know.
1: They want right? to fuck him? Listen, who does
0: Everybody wants to fuck him. Now we have I'm gonna show you the picture of the sketch. The sketches that came out. Uh yeah, to help us identify Im- who I he have- was. And one of the things that you'll see immediately is that it is man. Yeah. It is if you had lowercase italics man. Yeah. In the dictionary, yeah. it would be this picture of D.P. Cooper. It's like if you trace, if you said, if traced your hand on a piece of paper, <laughs> and like said, "Whose hand is this?" would have been
1: <laughs> this in this book that we're talking about, the Skyjack book. The picture that Don just showed me, it's the so-called Bing Crosby sketch. He looks like Bing Crosby. Then Bing Crosby with sunglasses. Then another <laughs> FBI. And then, like they aged him up, what he would look like. He looks yeah. like you would. Tell me
0: that's not every guy you know. You could
1: recognize. I mean, that looks like my Armenian neighbor that walks around the block three times a
0: day. Exactly. I mean, it was seriously everybody you've ever met. And so any time that you start hearing about suspects, which is what we're getting into next, dude. I know. Whenever you start getting into suspects, um, they start with, well, my dad saw the sketch on TV and said, yep, that's Uncle Uncle Bobby. And I'm always like, skip. (laughs) Skip. You're not fuckable. Just because you look like the sketch. Like, who doesn't? And yet, you know, when I I also don't take anybody, uh, any of the suspects seriously unless Tina, and Florence eyeball them. I'm like Tina and yeah. Florence. These these broads sat next now, are to this they guy. Still alive? They're both still alive. Fascinating stuff. So Florence, you want to talk about the little fuckable details. Yeah. So Florence, the it's the day before Thanksgiving, Florence is almost off work. She's been on this haul. <laughs> they you know, these broad, they signed up to be flight attendants. They yeah. thought it'd be exciting. Yeah. They'd see yeah. the, see world. the world. And they're just getting grab assed constantly. And <laughs> In, there's also and
1: constance. I remember flying on those planes, everybody smoked.
0: Constantly. Yeah. Everybody's smoking. And, the and airlines, they had to wear heels. And here's oh, more than that. The the airlines hired psychologists. Because planes crashed all the time, yeah. and they were hijacked, as we are discussing, all the fucking time. Yeah, and people were terrified of flying, yeah. and they were trying to figure out how to get people. And they behaved. What do we do to get people to be cool with flying? And the psychologists informed them distraction was the best. I eat drugs and sex, right? Ah. So they literally the drinks and the drinking and having yeah. expensive drinks was a huge part of it, and they very deliberately sold. The flight attendant yeah as sex objects like there playboy bunnies th- absolutely they advertised w- that they s- would take off their coats this is how the flight attendant will meet you at the door she's wearing like a cute little j- yeah. coat and this is what she'll uh. wear during th- and they show her slowly undressing there was american airlines had a print ad of just the close-up of a woman's face and she's like mid-orgasm like eyes rolled back biting her lip just like full sex uh. and the text says I'm gonna fly you like you've never been flown before. Get <laughs> Miley. That you can fuck a flight attendant was implied oh in the advertising. God. It was what they did. So And they, they were had weight pretty hot back then. They were hot and they had weight requirements. You yeah, had to be hot. So this Florence and age requirements. And age requirements. Limits, Limits, I should say. So Florence had signed up, she was great, got the job, got spotted. They had spotters that would weigh you if they thought you were getting too heavy. Mm. She got Spotted, they weighed her. She was over her weight. So they laid her off, prescribed her diet pills. And she had only recently gotten back to work. She was rooming with Tina, who's a born-again Christian who will not shut up about converting her to Jesus. And this is her last flight before she gets to go home for Thanksgiving and (laughs) fucking die in a pile of mashed potatoes, okay? Florence now is alive. She is, uh, she's mentioned in this book, Jeffrey Gray, God love him, hunts them both down. Uh, uh, Florence is very willing to talk, has a personal trainer, is apparently ripped. She's like, she's like, she uh, she is like seven. Late uh, 60s, early 70s. Tina became a nun. What? She became a nun. She does not. talk about it? Now, this is what's so interesting. In this book that was published in, I think, 2011, um, she very flatly refused to talk to Jeffrey Gray. In fact, he, the author, at the time, had a lead suspect he's pursuing. It's very dramatic, very mysterious. Yeah. And he knows that he really can't take this suspect seriously until, as I said, Florence and Tina were the only ones who saw him. And... Florence was willing to take a look and Tina just, he couldn't even get her to answer his calls. And Cause you can, man, you're, you're, you're a celebrity. People are fans of yours. Yeah. You know how, if you're the flight attendant who talked to DB Cooper, yeah. these weirdos are going to be. Oh looking. yeah. Constant. And a total conspiracy theory. Completely. And people do. They think that the reason she doesn't talk is because he found her and gave her part of the. Mu- I mean, it's just like, yeah, nah, stu- nah, and she's yeah. exhausted, but she doesn't want it. And there were a lot of copycats and a mm. lot of people got hurt. Pursuing a DB Cooper legend, and I think, and she said to the author, "I just won't be a part of this journey anymore." <laughs> the interesting thing is, she <laughs> does appear in a documentary oh. a couple of years later. So I <laughs> after the book, so she st- she told Jeffrey to f- go fuck maybe himself, she, but she made t- some money off the documentary. Did. She did, and the documentary is great. Uh, I will no give shop, you. I don't know. I'll give you all of my sources, uh, listeners. You can go to our podcast and you can l- find links to all these documentaries. But she appears in a documentary, talks about it at length, um, and a, then the pilot. The
1: is a gal, gal I know, and she knows him. Her dad was one of the pilots.
0: Anderson. He, I, I looked into him. He was one of the flight engineer, he's which still is around. really specifically, um, and he's also in this documentary. He looks great. Yeah. Um, the pilot and the co-pilot do come back on board after the ransom is given to them in Seattle. Anderson stayed behind. Oh, he the did. flight engineer. That's my understanding. Some of them there's some accounts okay. that here and there where things missed, but. That, that's my understanding, but he was certainly there. <laughs> and, you know, because we know that nobody was blown up, it's fine. But living in fear of blowing up the day before Thanksgiving is still not a picnic, however exciting <laughs> yeah, it may have right. been. Now, now here's, here's where people think – here's where we're at right now. The FBI closed the case in 2016. It is the only unsolved skyjacking in American history. Wow and they they did extend the statute of limitations that if he ever is found <laughs> they can still charge him but they have closed the case there are no agents currently assigned to the db cooper case they largely early on and many people do believe he died in the flight in the fall uh-huh. uh it was a really cold night it was raining it was dark he's wearing a suit and yeah. loafers and wh- even at 10,000 feet it's below zero up there for a minute right Several other things. Um, we say master criminal so well planned. I mean, it's obviously meticulous. Uh, however, <laughs> the evidence really shows this might have been a last-minute actual idea because the, f- the person who he-, he bought the ticket from at the counter before he boarded the plane, yeah. he asked, is this a 727? Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like that, I, I couldn't go, I kept going back and back to that. It was in this source. Um, yeah, and I thought, God, that seems fucking weird. Also, part of the reason why they had such a difficult time searching for him was because of the variables of his fall. So, you know, we talked about he said to go to Mexico. Right. And he said, well, we have to refuel in Reno. And he said, well, that's fine. He had trouble lowering the stairs. There's about 13 minutes there. He has to take all this time to tie the thing to his waist. He couldn't have known how long the refueling was gonna take. Right. And it's really dark. And it's cloudy. And, and so it's the idea that he could see light. So if he and was there was li- also
1: stuff about where he was landing.
0: Yeah, if, if the he had areas like brush filled
1: and right, wasn't
0: right. it? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Really difficult territory, very, very close up. And if he was gonna be liaisoning with someone, um, how in nineteen seventy one they could have predicted or communicated with each other is very difficult also the fbi at first thought he must be a trained parachutist yeah Uh, obviously this guy's military skydive instructor something something like that that. but then as more details came out they found they're just not sure because (laughs) the parachutes they gave him four parachutes and and initially the fbi apparently had considered giving him a booby parachute if he had just asked for example one parachute right there's a chance they would sabotage that parachute i don't know something to it. something yeah which doesn't seem terribly right, but that was what they <laughs> they said. But because he asked for four and there were three pa- passengers, they couldn't know which which parachute might we be used on him, whom, yeah. so they knew they had to come. So it was an accident that one of the parachutes was a training parachute that couldn't open. And that any experienced skydiver would know. That. A, would know. It, it had a tag on it. You could see certain things wouldn't open. And that was the shoot he chose as his reserve shoot. He took the booby parachute as a reserve shoot. Huh. Of the two forward main shoots, there was a really nice, modern, sophisticated civilian shoot and an older, not able to be steered <laughs> military shoot. And yeah. that's the shoot he chose.
1: Huh. So the FBI if he's military, maybe he's familiar with that one.
0: And that's the other, right. So people are like, eh, he took the one that was most familiar to him. So not only when he jumped exactly how long he fell before he pulled the chute changed the search area and his possible landing area by hundreds of square Mm -hmm. miles. So that is simultaneously an issue for how they find him. People thought, Oh, what a master criminal. They'd never be able to find him. But in hindsight, you're like, maybe not a master criminal because he didn't exactly know where, (laughs) maybe he didn't know where he was going. He was going to pick him up. And did he land in the water? And did he land wherever? It's not far from Mount St. Helens. So that we never found a body that we never found a parachute. Mount St. Helens erupted. Yes. In 81? Yeah In 81 Something like there. that Yeah So By the way
1: Who the fuck in the FBI Was willing to let one person Just die
0: That's <laughs> what I know right If they had
1: to use the parachute oh. They gave him a training no, pair
0: they didn't know That's the thing The FBI didn't know either oh. It was a crazy They, they got him from a fight. Fl- not I mean because The guy only wanted Four parachutes <laughs> I Like listen The FBI in this Also where the cigarette butts They literally threw him away <laughs> Now, granted, it's 1971, so they didn't have the capacity to do DNA evidence. They wouldn't have thought about it. Yeah. But now people come back, they're like, where are those cigarette butts? And literally some ass at the, well, I did you want the glass? They're like, no, we don't need that. I got the glass. The glass is right here. And actually, I think they took the glass, too. Anyway, so, yeah. yeah. But they didn't know that they had done the booby parachute, so who knows? <laughs> um, so a lot of people think he died. But there's no evidence that he died, and it's not as much fun. Yeah. Not as much fun, and people think always about it being want dead. to
1: treasure hunt the money too.
0: Oh yeah, I do. Yeah, and be, because as this kid Brian Ingram found, um, the the Wait. actual value of the money that they found um, in the in Tina Bar on the Columbia River T E N A Bar it's like a sandbar thing. Mm-hmm. Um, people of course came down there with every oh, fucking rake. It <laughs> was like get a rake, get the to the metal beach. detectors. And they never found anything else there. Um, the money was valued that it was it was like. Five thousand three hundred dollars or something like did three get, three did bundles. He fit the little boy. He didn't because the insurance company and the airlines fought this family, and the kid they finally gave him some. And when he was 14, he was able to auction them. So he he made like 37 grand ultimately being uh, able to auction. auction off, off a money. couple bills. <laughs> but I was like, You fucks. <laughs> it's like 1980, and this kid finds buried treasure. You fucks. Yeah. Let him have it. <laughs> right? Um, okay, so so now uh, I think that the, 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 the D.B. Cooper mystery is really the two most interesting parts are the mystery itself, what happened that night, holy shit, and now the suspects. Yes. Ooh, oh. Miley. Okay. Is this foreplay? This is, <laughs> this, is <laughs> this is foreplay, yeah. Your nipples, I hope your nipples are feeling things <laughs> because okay. yeah, mine certainly are. Okay. Um, um, the, the FBI, like I said, it's, it's closed the case unsolved, but they did pursue 1,000 plus viable suspects. Wow. Because as we said at the beginning, everyone wants to be him, find him, or fuck him. Right. And there were thousands of deathbed confessions. Really? Of thousands of deathbed People confessions. People that just needed to make up a story about their life. Yeah. So they mean something. So something. they, yeah. Hey, guys, I'm D.B. Cooper, nighty-night. And everyone goes, wait, what? You know? <laughs> yeah. And, and there's... And it's because the mystery is so deep, you can't can neither confirm nor deny, right? right? So why not? Let them think that you're this interesting thing. Um, so I'm gonna tell you about four of my favorite suspects. Okay. Knowing that there are a thousand yeah. that are that r- at least raise an eyebrow, and then I'll give you some honorable mentions um at the end. So here's my the first one: Richard McCoy, mm-hmm. which is a great name. The real McCoy. I mean, yeah, come on. Yeah. This guy <laughs> This guy is a copycat hijacker. So a couple months after the DB Cooper hijacking, this guy hijacks a Northwest Flight airline, <gasps> demands $500,000 cash, uh, says he has a bomb, gets the parachutes, jumps out the back of a 727 and disappears. What? But only for about 5 days. <laughs> because <laughs> <What>? <laughs> because his months? buddy, <laughs> yeah, right, cuz his buddy from parachuting class <laughs> is like, "Hey FBI, <laughs> Uh, my buddy Richard McCoy (laughs) can't stop talking about how cool D.B. Cooper is, said he figured he could probably do the same thing, (laughs) knows exactly how, I'd look into him and and they were like, okay, and they went on down to Richard McCoy's house and they found $499,000 stuffed in the attic and they arrested him. He goes to jail and escapes that night. (laughs) What? Escapes that night, they get him the next day, they literally go to the drunk tank to find him, he's gone. I mean, this guy is Dillinger, you know what I mean? Yeah. They arrest him again, He's in jail for a while. He works as a dentist assistant while he's in in jail. jail, In jail. Oh, God. Now what's this? He makes a gun (laughs) out of plaster. He carves a gun out of plaster. Uh He drives a garbage truck through the gate. What? He escapes again. (laughs) And he doesn't get caught right away. He lives fucking large. He buys his daughter an Arabian horse. He He gets an apartment in Miami with a friend, and they decorate it lavishly. He is ultimately tracked down, and and killed in his uh, in, in the arrest. He's no. shot by the FBI. Oh, I want to hear so much more I, of what he did with the money. I know he apparently he sat in a hotel, watched Butch Cassidy and the Sundance oh. Kid, while he because he robbed a bunch of banks after he escaped. I mean Richard McCoy awesome and this guy's a war hero he was awarded the purple heart in vietnam he had gone in and saved uh, comrades in vietnam 10 or 12 times i mean i don't know if he's db cooper but he's certainly fuckable yeah and he also did it yeah like he hijacked a plane jumped out the back like he did it the the fbi agent who shot him nick o'hara says to this day when i shot richard mccoy i shot db cooper really however so those are all the things you go, yeah, sounds about right. Right? <laughs> he um, had brown eyes. Oh. D.B. Cooper had blue eyes. No, other, other way. Cooper had brown eyes. McCoy has blue eyes. He never smoked oh, in ever? his life. No. And I think, for me, the biggest red flag that he was not D.B. Cooper is that he idolized him and never confessed. Yeah, he would want to brag about it. Yeah. Right? Why not? <laughs> to somebody, anyway. To somebody. And I think that he was just impressed. Yeah. And inspired. I don't actually think he was. I, it sounds to me like he may have had, like, a
1: thrill seeker for sure, and like mm. an ag- adrenaline junkie. Yeah. Because he, he's robbing banks and then yeah. saying, "I want to do that. So see if I can do that too."
0: Yeah. And I know, nothing right? was enough,
1: and, nothing. and then ending in a gun out, gun sh- uh, shootout.
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, like, he be, I think it'd be easier to disprove him than it would be to. Right. Totally, and that's the thing. They don't have now. They did find some DNA. They said on the tie the FBI has claimed they found DNA and they have eliminated some suspects based on the fact that their DNA did not match but a lot of people um, you can imagine there's a lot of people a lot of quote unquote people out there who like (laughs) D.B. Cooper and they argue um, that that can't really be taken into account because who knows what this DNA sample is yeah like they found some in like the creases of the tie but we don't know whose that is you know so Um, okay so your second um, fuckable suspect (laughs) is a guy named Dwayne Weber now he is He's the one I selected from the many, many. Because he's better bed. looking than the other guy. <laughs> he's better. He's really a lot taller. You know how he's I am cute. with tall guys, <laughs> and a name like Dwayne. How can du- you go wrong? Uh, he's one of my favorite deathbed confessions. Oh, so uh, so Dwayne Weber's uh, uh, on his deathbed, and his slightly younger uh, widow, his second third wife, um, is with him, and he gestures her over, and he says, "I am Dan Cooper." Hmm. And she doesn't know what that is. <laughs> she,
1: right? She's an idiot. She's an idiot. <laughs> yeah.
0: She's like, great. Uh, okay, I'm do you a Meryl Streep. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. What do you want? I'm Amelia Earhart. <laughs> <laughs> so... She doesn't know Dan Cooper. And this is, you remember I said the D.B. Cooper, Dan Cooper. So this is an early mistake in the thing. He signed Dan Cooper as his name when he got on board. Early on when the FBI and the media, frankly, when the plane was still in the air, hours after they're trying to find. So they're they're going around the city of Seattle and Portland looking for people with a history of bombs and robberies and hijacking. And they go to a guy named D.B. Cooper. They just go to his house because yeah. he lives in the area. His name is D.B. Cooper and he is bombs and stuff. And they immediately eliminate him. Yeah. His alibis are tight. He's definitely not. He him. has no legs. But the media, <laughs> he has no legs. And yeah, he is, and he's way too short. Um, and, uh, but the media picked up that they had gone to this guy, D.B. Cooper. And so quickly lines cross and uh, they put D.B. And let's be honest, D.B. Cooper's a better name. Yeah. You know, it but Dan Cooper is still an important clue because years and years later, the FBI find that there is a comic book series That's only ever been printed in French. It's a Canadian (laughs) comic book following the exploits of a parachutist named Dan Cooper. And he is an adventurous paratrooper. Mm. So that we were calling him D.B. Cooper instead of Dan Cooper may have actually moved us away from an important clue in terms of why did this man choose the name Dan Cooper as his alias? It could have been in honor of this French paramilitary paratrooper. Who knows? So Dwayne Cooper says, I'm Dan cooper <laughs> and he dies okay you, and that's his, what uh, you imagined happening and that's what i imagine. no not yet. yet all a fact and he was like cooper.
1: <laughs> yeah and then he died and
0: then yeah <laughs> um so his widow uh very sad sells all of his shit as one does <laughs> and um the person it is his third wife it is the third <laughs> wife and uh, the person who buys his van calls her and says i found a wallet Oh. In the van. Now she looked in the places you sell it the glove compartment, sure. little pockets next to the door. Where was this fucking wallet? <laughs> it was under the seat. You know, it's kind of yeah. hidden in there. And in this wallet are a bunch of fucking IDs. Different ones. For not Dwayne Weber. For this guy, John C. Collins. This poor widow finds out that her husband, who just died, was an ex-con. Yeah. Oh. He had served wait until you hear about these the <laughs> list of prisons. He <laughs> was in prison and Washington, Ohio, San Quentin, Folsom, and oh. El Paso, among others. His crimes were always pickpocketing, thievery, wow, fraud. Wow, went to some
1: bad prisons for doing pickpocketing. And, well, you yeah, think they just throw him in County?
0: You would, but who knows? Repeated stuff. <laughs> anyway, so then she starts to remember. Yeah, about six months before that money was found. Yeah. in the Columbia River. Yeah, she had gone with him to some business convention in the area. He had left the hotel room for a while, oh. came back all dirty <laughs> and excited, then was like, said, Geronimo. Then, when they left, they stop at the river. He takes a bag out and comes back, and she goes, Where did you go? Where were you going with that bag? And he said, I put it in the river. And she's thinking, He's a litter bug. So yeah. she's like, Oh, you know, how dare you? Yeah. That's how you throw garbage. Again, all of this is coming together later. She says she remembers he took her past a a wooded area, and he said that's where Dan Cooper walked out of the woods. And she was like, great, I don't (laughs) know, you know, anything. But she's recalling all of this stuff in hindsight. This poor widow has been on this wild goose chase with the FBI and with online sleuths to, like, confirm or deny that her husband was D.B. Cooper yeah. and she's bitter. You see her in documentaries. What is she? She's pissed. Because she didn't even know his fucking name. She's fucking mad. <laughs> and like, people aren't nice to her. she didn't know who she was fucking. She didn't know who she was fucking. And like, but they, now the only real, some of the, yes and no's. he they the FBI says his fingerprints and his DNA do not match what they have but again nobody's convinced that the DNA and the fingerprints that they have are DB Cooper's yeah. anyway i'm sure they weren't well preserved at uh, that right point. i also he one of the things that she the widow says is like a clue as to why she knew it was him and that i disagree i think it was actually probably disproven is she goes to the library and gets a book on DB Cooper like anybody <laughs> does try to figure <laughs> out what like the fuck is going on and he her ex-husband has written notes in the margin oh Which means he read it too And I was like That sounds like he did his homework Yeah I don't know if It sounds like he really wanted to be deep We want to be him Find him or fuck him right And I think that Who knows Yeah Also I wonder He
1: he wanted the notoriety somehow
0: Yeah And that he was sort of Hiding things from her in general That she would like to Attribute to this very interesting thing But we're actually just He's just a con artist (laughs) You know You're like Sorry lady not as sexy Not as sexy (laughs) Two suspects down, two to go. Hey, if you haven't already, head to at Hilf Podcast on Instagram to see the D.B. Cooper sketch and pictures of Tina and Florence and all the suspects. You can also help out the show by giving us a rate and a review wherever you listen. And as always... Okay, so our next suspect, um, love this guy, Walter Recca. Mm-hmm. Um Now, he came out really recently in like 2017, 2018 at the Cooper Con. And, you know, people throw these big events every year. Who's it? Yeah. People dress like D.B. Cooper. They go to the bar yeah, where, where he, like, he turned up, where the black suits, they like men in black mates, yeah. the Beatles, you know. And um they announced we have we finally we think we got his name is Walter Recca. Walter Recca apparently told his best friend in the whole world, Carl Lauren i'm DB Cooper. They recorded a bunch of audio tapes where he detailed exactly how it happened, mm. what happened, where he came out of the woods, what he did, and he notarized it and said, "You cannot release this until I die." He dies. This guy Carl Lauren comes finds uh, documentarians and yeah. authors and stuff to try to get the story out, and they have really pushed that this guy Walter Recka is the guy. Th- he was a Michigan parachutist. Okay, uh, he had uh, had some military background. He recorded all of these hours and hours of tapes, and some of the details have been corroborated. So one of the things that he said on the tape. Is I walked out of the woods yep. um, in this city of Cleum. I am going to pronounce it wrong. C L E E L U M, some a city in Washington, small mm-hmm. town. They walked out of the woods, dripping wet, and a guy picked him up and took him to a diner, uh-huh. and that that was where his liaison picked him up was from that diner. He didn't he didn't know the guy's name. He called him the cowboy. Some guy, a cowboy with a dump truck picked me up, took me to the diner. Mm-hmm. It's just enough information that these documentarians who are trying to prove Dig or disprove in. go and they find this fucking guy. Mm -hmm. Um, he's a former cop Um, his name is Osidich his last name is Osidich and they find him just by his name and the brief description they have in the small enough town they're like yeah "Yeah." and he's like yeah I remember that guy that (laughs) happened he said I was driving my truck the guy wanted a ride I couldn't do it because it was my work truck and I couldn't pick up a hijacker. So when we got to the diner, yeah. I said, "I can't take you any farther." Hitchhiker. He said, not yeah, hijack." Hij- <laughs> he didn't say hijack. Yeah, he was like he rolled up his parachute. <laughs> I didn't think anything of I it. I don't yet. know what was happening. <laughs> yeah, the hitchhiker. wasn't in the news. was it? and it? Wasn't. I mean, this was kind of far away. That's the yeah. part of the problem. So he says, "Well, can you can you give somebody driving directions here mm. again?" 1971. He's. If he fell out of the sky, he's like, I literally don't know (laughs) where I am. So dude says, yeah. So he gets on the phone, and he gave driving directions to this mysterious man's friend on the phone. And then he had a gig. He played guitar. So he went and played a guitar gig and never thought about it again until these documentarians found him and were like, we need you to cooperate." the story. He's like, yeah, yeah, I remember that night. It was crazy. Crazy, right? So that has a lot of people raising their eyebrows. Um, He had always dreamed of working for the FBI-CIA, and the idea – the story where it starts to fall apart for me is that this guy, Walter Recca had a dream of working for the FBI, yeah. CIA, had tried to be in the FBI, CIA, and was re- denied a couple of times. He alleges then that he did the hijacking, committed the hijacking.
1: To prove it could be
0: done. And then they recruited him to be a secret agent and an assassin. That no. once they found out that he had done it, they f- they found him and they said, if you don't want to go to jail for the hijacking... You now work for us. And just for me, every time I read nah. Walter Reck's story, exactly, I go, ah, I just don't think. You wanted to be in the CIA, and then they recruited you, and you get to tell your best friend this whole story. I don't know. Yeah, you know,
1: my dad was a spy, so.
0: I can't, I really am <laughs> going to hear all about this. I can't wait. <laughs> no, so this, I, I, I'm just
1: saying, like, you're like he I'm, I'm sure it. my dad would be like, yeah, no. I don't he think was so, still here, like, eh,
0: John, I don't think so. So this guy, Carl Lauren. Writes a book, sells his book. Yeah. But it's not bad. It's not bad. I also really find um, with this guy, Walter Recka, he has all of these things. He has a really thick Polish-Minnesota accent.
1: Like, that would be a
0: thing, right? I think the flight attendants would have <laughs> noticed that. And he has all of this stuff. He says he knows, why not a $20 bill from the ransom? You know what I mean? Like, where's... Yeah. Show us a 20 Anyone who has a piece of the ransom money, we're done talking. You're obviously him. Yeah. Or you met him. And so, yeah. And talks about what happens there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, now this is my last suspect I'm going to tell you about, Miley. And um, I, saved, I saved them for last because <laughs> it's so good, so fucking interesting. <laughs> all right, this one um, is one of the leading suspects in just about every one you meet. It's mentioned in this book and in several documentaries. And it is uh, a suspect named Barbara Dayton. Oh. Uh, Barbara Dayton um, is the first transgender woman in the state of Washington mm-hmm. in 1970. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that they had trans uh, they I they didn't. called it uh, gender reass no not gender reassignment now we call it gender confirmation but it was the first sex change operation as they called it at the time particularly fascinating because uh, this individual um born uh, a man Robert uh Dayton mm-hmm. was a military vet tattooed Um, rough tumble had gold mined in the Yukon and had always identified as female internally and secretly Um, describes to in this book skyjacked you can read some of Barbara Dayton's um letters to the doctors advocating for why sh- she should have the surgery uh-huh. and she would say I, I i i'm rough if i am rough it's because i had to be i had to live as a man and this is why i look and sound like this and they were hesitant to do the surgery because they thought that she would have a very difficult time passing uh-huh. um and um f- it's fascinating she, she military career rob i mean just like insane adventurous life yeah in the Uh, early 80s um, she now living as a woman Barbara Dayton lives in and around Seattle Washington and she fixes up cars and planes and one day Pat and Ron Foreman know her think she's a great mechanic want to hire her to fix up their plane they become friends they think she's really cool they have her over for dinner they play cards and because they're all pilots in Washington this area every year around Thanksgiving the D.B. Cooper story comes up, yeah, right? Yeah, right. And everyone's like, oh, you know, here we go again. Yeah. It's the anniversary. And um, any time that they would say something disparaging about D.B. Cooper, like, what an idiot. Barbara. <laughs> oh, you know, Barbara would speak up. <laughs> ah, we'd get very defensive oh. about <laughs> it. And uh, one day, sort of kidding around, um, Ron Foreman says, I know what it is, Barbara. It's because you're Cooper. You're D.B. Cooper. Uh, and she gets pissed. Oh. And she, like, pulls him aside and is like, don't ever say that again. Oh. <laughs> I know. So then they have dinner another couple nights later, and they've got some friends over, and they're talking about D.B. Cooper. And he goes, you know, and she confesses. They have her comb her hair. They take a picture. She says, comes out also as a transgender woman. She says at the time to these two, really, you see the documentary, you see their (laughs) interviews. They're just the sweetest, nicest, down-to-earth people. And she apparently said, like, I think your wife knows what's going on here. (laughs) <laughs> and this guy Ron Form is like, "What? What do you mean?" And she's <laughs> like, "He's a, she's a you know, she's a transgender man. And he was like, what? I mean, he had no idea. Oh, Ron, really? Ron, <laughs> Ron was completely taken by surprise. What? It's like, I like this. One. And you're like, "Why?" so you're, you're a transgender woman and you're D.B. Cooper? Right, right. Like, what a night. Right. Bonus. Uh, bonus. Um, so d- the she had a grudge against the airlines, and that is one of the key things. Tina Mucklow apparently asked D.B. Cooper during the hijacking, why are you, are you doing, doing this? this? Do you have a grudge against the airline? And he said, quote, I don't have a grudge against the airline miss, but I do have a grudge. So the people what? have been interpreting that, of course, yeah. over the last fifty years. But this fits if she had a grudge. She thought that the big airlines were bumping out little pilots, P- pilots like her and her friends, who were recreation had these little planes were constantly being moved out and bumped and treated badly. Yeah. And the big commercial airlines, the bigger they got, the less you could be a recreational pilot. Uh-huh. So that was apparently one of her grudges. Interesting. Um, she was apparently destitute and broke. Up until the date of the hijacking, and all of a sudden, she seems very happy, and she has money again. They also imply part (laughs) of the reason why she was able to disappear um, was because she put a wig on and lived as a woman. (laughs) So this was, the the hijacking happened after her her sex change operation. The idea being that she dressed as a man to commit the hijacking and And then then went back to living as a woman. woman. Mm -hmm. Mm. I know, it's fascinating. Did
1: she get to meet... uh, Tina, did they they get an ID on her?
0: No. Um, And that is really also where where poor Barbara Dayton also falls short. Uh, She's too short. Uh, She has blonde hair as a man or a woman. She had blonde hair. And Cooper had definitively dark hair. And again, you suspect the women would have noticed if it was a real bad dye job or looked or smelled like it was a um, wig. She had blue eyes. Cooper had brown eyes. And, um, the ransom, like there was never any discussion really of what happened with the money. Like she never (laughs) really (laughs) (laughs) explained why she was, (laughs) she was still so broke. Um, but Barbara Dayton, now we have, I mean, the honorable mentions go on. We've got Kenny Christensen. He was a Northwest <laughs> flight attendant for years and uh-huh. years. He he said on his deathbed that he had a secret he had to tell. Um, and people thought because he was a flight attendant for Northwest and he had a grudge and he lived all these secrets. I think he was gay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it.
1: I think a lot of like. To me, it sounds like. It that, sounds
0: like. like he was gay. And even even when you read the more details, they were like, he lived in a house with like three other guys. <laughs> <laughs> and he was a flight and he this and and we don't know what his big He's secret a was. Florist. <laughs> exactly. And you're reading through the history like And he really loves uh, you know. Oh I know, and these like sleuths are like, Lopez. we found a secret. We found a, a hole in his attic where he could have hidden money, and you're like, go home. Yeah. Go home. Um LD Cooper, yes. another great suspect, his niece, eight years old at the time was seeing all of this strange thing. Her two uncles were acting really weird, and they said they were going on a big turkey hunt on the day before Thanksgiving. And then they come back uh, that night bloody, and and her dad is freaking out, and he says something about, we did it, we hijacked that plane. And she's like, what? And they kind of send her out of the room, and then that uncle disappears. They never see him again, and she asks about him all the time. And when she's an adult, she finally says, Dad, what happened to Uncle LD? And he says, well, don't you remember? They hijacked that plane. Oh. And she's like, what? So she's been in and out with uh-huh. the FBI. They chase that down. There's a, a guy, a former parachutist named Rackstraw that people think is him because they've broken the code. <laughs> you know, people were writing letters to the newspapers claiming they were D.B. Cooper. Yeah. And so people have taken all of these letters and and tried to decode them to try to figure out uh, who it is. I mean, yeah, talk about a rabbit hole. And and one of the conclusions of this book, Skyjack, is it, that he, he calls it a curse. That if you really, really start to feel like you've got a lead on D P <laughs> Cooper, it is a <laughs> long ride down a yeah. deep hole, man, and you are gonna get sucked. And all in. the
1: possibilities might be possible, right? In exactly. some way.
0: All the, and now if you really wanna get into it. This is the fiftieth anniversary. Oh, is it? November of twenty twenty one is come- exactly fifty years. Oh, from so that name. should be a good thing. Yeah, that is so there's a bar in the middle of fucking nowhere <laughs> near this search area. It's called the Aerial Tavern and Store. Can we go there? Can we go there? We go That's there? my question, Miley. Will you go with I, me? Yeah. I mean, why not? I mean I dress up like DB Cooper. We you can be Barbara Dave.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or one of the shorter guys. <laughs> one of the shorter the short guys.
0: That short guy.
1: The first one. <laughs> and we will just uh t- oh my god now, do, I'm sure they just get overwhelmed. they will probably be. I mean, sure, to be on na- national news. They'll probably have to have tents and stuff. That's what I'm hoping.
0: I feel like maybe the Hilf podcast can get them just overwhelmed with <laughs> people. I mean, What's it, the name it, of the bar? It's called the Ariel, like the mermaid. <laughs> and it's the city in Washington. And it is like when you look it up on a map or you try yep. to like, because I was like, I want to get myself there. It's the um, middle of nowhere. It's the middle of nowhere. It's like, you know, you drive up to Albert Lee, yeah, and people are like, consider Albert Lee the city. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Like it's, it's gonna yeah. be, it's gonna be nuts. So they, they said somebody had sort of, they had done it for years, and then they canceled it and they stopped doing it. And I'm like, well, they're gonna have to. Yeah, it's gonna be a field of dreams situation.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I'm surprised that, like, you know, I go to a lot of comic cons because of my cartoon. I'm surprised that they don't have a DB Cooper con, like
0: they do. They do. They do. They but have this DB Cooper con. They must con- be doing a big deal this year. I would hope so. Yeah, well they do every year. this this year I did read the the DB Cooper con. I don't know I don't remember if it's around that same time if it's that Thanksgiving yeah. time. They have sleuths. They often will bring Florence, if they can find her, the author of this book, uh-huh. Tina. I don't think Tina goes anymore, but every once in a while, Tina. There's this the FBI detective Hemelschleck. Uh-huh. You know, he was <laughs> the guy who like got the call uh-huh. to like go that night. He's been he he uh, very specifically gets very upset when you say that he's obsessed and his and oh. his wife left him, and he's a little like <laughs> his wife left him. His wife left him and he it. goes and he calls. DB, he's the one who calls D.B. Cooper a scumbag, low-life criminal. Like, he's still he's still got he's this, anti, like, He doesn't think he's so cool or great. fuckable at all. No. He, well, he'd fuck him, but out <laughs> of anger. <laughs> out of pure revenge. Um, yeah. So they come up and they talk on panels. The kid, Brian Ingram. Yeah. He will often, the Man, kid who found the ransom money, he will show I gotta up. I got to go to that
1: con, I mean, my cons are big. but That one sounds more interesting. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah.
0: I know I'd go. I well listen, we'll update you listeners on uh, uh if Miley and I do a Muppet style I mean, road trip yeah. up to Washington. Oh my god, that'd be so much. Wouldn't fun. that be fun? That'd be a beautiful drive. Yeah. We could well, do it fly and like there halfway <laughs> and rent a car. <laughs> or we fly there and halfway there we fucking jump out the window. <laughs> <laughs> They'll never see it coming. They'll never see it coming. They'll never see it coming. Um well that has been That's um, awesome. our DB Cooper uh history I'd like to fuck Miley Thank you, thank you for joining us and for giving me such a great assignment. I mean,
1: now of course you've got me in the wormhole. Mm -hmm. Like it's just something I've always thought was kind of interesting, but really didn't know any of this. Yeah. And like now I'm I'm like oh my god. Now do I have to go down the? (laughs) You know I do right? For me that your research is impeccable, and it makes me want to just go. Okay, now we need to do more
0: research. Oh well, thanks. Listen, this is this is my excuse. I I don't want to do something really hard like get a master's degree in history. (laughs) But I also love history too much that I read all this interesting stuff and then nobody ever asks me if I know it. (laughs) (laughs) So you have to have your own podcast. So I have to have my own podcast. I can prove I know the things I've read. Uh, All you have to do is take what
1: you just did with me and go pitch it as a road movie. Where like these two chicks obsessed with TV Cooper take a... Take a trip up, pick pick up someone on the way. That's a real weirdo.
0: Yeah, and it turns out to be turns out to be DB. He'd be ninety. I'd still (laughs) fuck him, Mr. Mr. (laughs) Mr. Cooper. Lay (laughs) down. I mean, get up. (laughs) Oh man, is it DB? Do you want me to call you DB? DB Dan, (laughs) what is it here? What's happening? Oh my God. Well, Miley, I gotta go. Hey, thank you so much, and um, and we'll see you on the road. Yeah, thanks so much. If a road movie or even a road trip materializes, of course, you'll be the first to know. Unfortunately, at Last Look, the aerial Tavern appears to have officially ended their D.B. Cooper days, but we do have a link to them on our Instagram if you want to watch out for future events. On the other hand, the annual D.B. Cooper Con in Portland is alive and well and will likely only get better over the next 50 years. Thanks again to my guest, Miley Flanagan, and thanks to you for listening. In the next episode, I sit down with comedian Meryl Clemo and an unlikely Hilf, her favorite president, but one of the ones you're most likely to forget, James K. Polk. I was a skeptic at first, but we start with his mullet and we end with a case of mysterious gold. Believe me, it is an H you're going to want to F too. <laughs> um, until next time, this has been Hilf, history I'd like to fuck with Don Brody. I'm Don Brody, reminding you that history is a party, and everybody's coming.